You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast, the post-Minnesota Vikings-Denver Broncos preseason game number one edition. Matthew Collar here with ESPN's Courtney Cronin. And Courtney, that was certainly a football game that happened. I think the Vikings are going to the Super Bowl. I saw our uh, co-worker, Chris Long, from the TV side, tweet out a screen grab of him booking tickets already. Very smart move. Preemptively, I don't think anything could go wrong with that. No, definitely not. Is there I mean, a cancellation policy though that's more than just twenty four hours, yeah, just so, in case? So they usually ask if like, you want like trip protection. Yeah, I would get the trip protection because Atlanta in February is—it's mm. not my favorite time to be in Atlanta, unless you're there probably for a Super Bowl. But I never go trip protection because I think it's kind of a scam. But I did it once. And in this case, I actually should. did it because of Super Bowl because I was so convinced last year that. This was eventually going to happen for the Vikings that, you know, there's going to be a parade. And I, because I went on out of town right after the Super Bowl um, that I was going to end up canceling my trip. So, right. yeah. so they, they came mildly close and showed on Saturday night that they could be close again because sure. of a preseason victory over Denver. Absolutely. Um, so let's just run down the things that stuck out to both of us that might matter in some way. Um, Kirk Cousins couldn't have possibly started out his preseason Minnesota Vikings career any better than he did. He went no. four for four, 42, 42 yards, 28 yard pass to Stefan Diggs. It's exactly what you wanted from Kirk in his first opportunity to put on a Vikings uniform. Yeah. I mean, he was literally perfect. <laughs> um, you know, which is what I expect now in the regular season for me. Exactly. Every single play will be a completion. No, I mean, I expected that series to be what it was because you have very explosive pieces in this offense. Even when, you know, your quote-unquote starters, like, you know, Dalvin Cook, they held him out on Saturday night. Latavius Murray looked excellent on those two big runs of 20 yards or more that he ripped off. And he's running to the right side of the line on those, which is kind of the shaky part with Rashad Hill at right tackle, Danny Isadora at right guard, who I think was tremendous, uh, you know, all things considered on Saturday night and you know with uh, Cornelius Edison did really well at center um didn't send any snaps over Kirk's head or (laughs) Trevor Simeon's head so um it's what you expected that drive to look like and it's small sample size I know that we're going to get more into that as you know you inch towards the ever important third preseason game but par for the course I think you would have been concerned had they not scored on that first drive but yeah, that's, I mean, I don't know what more you can take away from it other than, you know, 
the receivers look good. Kirk looked really good. He looked mm-hmm. really sharp. That's basically what we've seen in practice. There have been some ups and downs, but Kirk Cousins to Stephon Diggs has been a very successful combination. And uh, you see throwing down the field, the accuracy of Cousins is what we've seen in camp, that him as a thrower of the football has been very impressive. And when he gets time to throw, this was the case in Washington. When he got time to throw and wasn't pressured, he can be very good. Um, It doesn't mean a darn thing. He could have thrown a pick six and it wouldn't have mattered. So making a great throw doesn't matter either. But if you're a Vikings fan, that's what you wanted to see. And the offensive line had its ups and downs on Trevor Simeon's Mm -hmm. touchdown pass to Rock Thomas, who we'll talk about. Uh, They had a lot of problems. Rashad Hill got beat on that play. Tom Compton beat it, got beat on that play. Um, overall, the offensive line wasn't a disaster tonight, but it certainly showed some of the holes that are going to exist there. If they either don't have Danny Isidore continue to step up and play really well, or decide to go outside and fill it with somebody else. Yeah, I think Danny Isadora is certainly the bright spot of that second team, or I guess really reserve reserve fill-in guys right now who are trying to fight for that starting job at left hat, left guard. I'll be curious to see what they do with him this week. If they decide they want, he, he, he and Tom Compton for a while, when Nick Easton was filling in at center, were rotating like one day on, one day off at left guard with the first team offense. I'm curious to see if they decide that they want to put him over at left guard, if they want to move Compton over to right guard. I mean, Compton struggled in pass protection. So did Rashad Hill. I thought they looked good as run blockers, which is a good thing considering that scenario. Rashad Hill specifically struggled uh, at the end of last season. I still think that this is a situation where you want to go to the free agent guard market and try to bring in another body just, just for depth, just to give you some sort of peace of mind there. But, you know, Avian, it's not Aviante, apparently, according to the broadcast. Uh, Avian Collins, you know, moving. I mean, he played a lot tonight. You know, Riley Reef goes out, he goes in at left tackle, and then they move him over to guard, which is kind of par for the course for what we saw this week. He's going to be a very important part of this team's depth structure. Um, And, you know, I guess I really wouldn't, it's too early to tell now, but it wouldn't surprise me if he eventually works his way into getting some first team reps here in camp. He is a part of this battle now that they've started to move him into the guard position. And the fact that he has really good athleticism could play well for him, potentially replacing Nick Easton, because even though Easton had his trouble sometimes against power rushers, Collins could match the athleticism of Easton, which was probably his best trait that he could get out there to the second level. And we saw a huge play with him being a part of it on a screen pass. Yeah. And we know that John D. Filippo is going to use a ton of screen passes this year. And that was to your, your, you of the, of our little running back uh, wager here of, you know, who's going to get the number three job. I mean, that was a really athletic play to be able to get him out in space Collins looked really good on on the block on that screen. And then for Rock Thomas to do what he did in showcasing, you know, a really dynamic skill set with catching that was like a 16, 17 yard uh, touchdown, you know, pass for the touchdown and then breaking open that big run, Mm -hmm. the biggest off, you know, biggest play that we saw of this game could be the biggest play we see of the the preseason. Before we talk a little bit more about how, my guy, Rock Thomas, yes, your uh, guy. outplayed Mike Boone tonight. Just a, a, outplayed Mac Brown too. Yeah, Although Mac yeah. Brown, it shows you. It just shows you the unofficial depth chart really doesn't mean anything at this point. Which Correct. It's unofficial for a reason. But Mike Boone looked 
the worst of all of the running backs battling for that job because at least Mac Brown had good field vision. Yeah, and uh, also Mike Boone missed a blocking assignment that oh, yeah. could have gotten Trevor Simeon, Simeon killed. killed. If if Simeon didn't recognize that right away, the blitz pickup. I mean, it's hard for rookies. It is very hard. I understand that. But that is one that you kind of realize there was like the oh crap moment mm-hmm. um, when he works his way out to the edge. But the, the pressure was coming up the interior. That's pretty much just as much on Tom Compton, too. Yeah, I think if I were to guess, because it's hard to say whose assignment is what, that Boone is supposed to read first up the middle and be responsible for like whoever the Mike linebacker is mm-hmm. on the play. And then if that person isn't coming, then he's supposed to move out and help on the edge. And on that play, two of the linebackers were lined up looking like they might blitz. One dropped back. I think he read that guy. Mm-hmm. And the other guy came, and he decided too early to move to the outside. Trevor Simeon goes down. It wasn't a really good look or a good night at all for Boone. But let me just finish like one more thought on the offensive line. Is it possible in your mind that they would play two of these guys at guard that are not necessarily considered starters and move Remmers back out to right tackle if Hill continues to look like he did tonight? Yes, because in no way, I remember even thinking back to what this was months ago, that once they drafted Brian O'Neill, that that meant that Mike Remmers was going to have to stay at right tackle. And that's his probably his best fit. I mean, I know that they really like the experiment and, you know, what they like what they saw from him for the most part, moving him to right guard at the end of last season. I still think that your biggest liability is going to be protecting the edge. Yep. And, you know, if you can if you can find a guy like Danny Isadora, maybe it's Avian Collins to, you know, bolster the middle, you know, bolster the interior of this line against that interior pass rush you'll be okay. It's never going to be a permanent option because clearly this is something that free agency draft next year, they're going to have to address it. Um, It's just, you know, I think that that might be your safest bet in protecting Kirk Cousins because we saw multiple times tonight where, you know, with with Rashad Hill, I remember on the, it's the same play. It was a touchdown play that to Thomas, to Thomas that Hill and it, and uh, Compton looked really not good. And Hill got just clean beat off the edge a number of times in this game. And, and that's the concern. Now, I will give him this. He's missed a lot of the beginning of training camp with an illness. Mm-hmm. And he lost some weight. And he's trying to get back into uh, playing shape and 100% after being sick for it looked like a, a good amount of time where he had to miss practices and things like that. So if he's still getting back up to 100%, maybe there's some excuse to be made there. But... I mean, this is a tackle position, and when you're talking about how much edge rushing is going to impact this offense and what it can do, it might be something they think about to move Remmers back out to tackle if they feel that Collins and Isadora or Collins and Compton can hold down the middle. And I think it's easier to survive mediocre guard play than it is bad tackle play. So let's move on to Rock Thomas. Now, I am, of course, doing my own touchdown dance on you (laughs) because of how we have hotly contested Mike Boone versus Rock Thomas. Um, But what I saw from Rock Thomas tonight was a guy who looks like a football player, like somebody who looks like he understands how to run the ball, patient, reading blocks. And then he hit the holes that he needed to hit that Mike Boone did not because Mike Boone did 
everywhere the offensive line went, he went the same way, and it's kind of like he wasn't patient at all and couldn't hit the hole. It just bounced all over the place, too. And Thomas fell forward, too. It wasn't just that he had those big plays because the screen pass touchdown is great, but I feel like anybody would have done that. I mean, on that play, he's so wide open, they blitz. Mm -hmm. Anyone does that. The rail route that he runs on the touchdown is very, very well done by him. But again, not like some really super special play. What I liked from him was falling forward when he got hit. There was a time or two where it looked like, oh, is he going to be wrapped up? And he ends up with a couple more yards. Yeah, his yards after contact stuck out to me a lot. He's, you know, less physically assuming, I guess, than a guy like Mike Boone. But mm-hmm. he he looked physical out there. And he fought for those yards after he started being tackled. Yeah, so... Clearly now, after this game, Rock Thomas is, is the number three number back three. right now. Absolutely. Right? And even if Kirk Cousins likes Mac Brown, him being in at the very end of the game is never a good sign for somebody making the team. No, I mean, especially for a guy that's not a rookie. And, I mean, he's right. he was, as I said, unofficial depth chart, whatever. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting him to get those reps early on. So, you want to talk kickers? Let's talk kickers. There's only one kicker to talk about. Yeah, it really was. Doesn't that tell us a lot about who they want to win this kicking competition? It sure does. It sure tells you uh, what we thought, you know, the whole narrative we thought was going to play out is playing out currently. That Daniel Carlson hits a 57-yarder, but also a 39-yarder and all of his extra points, which is key because that was one of their frustrations last year with Kai Forbath and... Really, the reason that Marshall Kane didn't make this team as the kicker last year was he missed an extra point in the fourth preseason game, and they just decided they couldn't trust him. Even though we've heard over and over again, oh, they're neck and neck, and you know they've both been really good in preseason, the fact that Carlson was taking five kicks on the night and Kai Forbath taking zero, I think tells you everything you need to know about where this kicking competition is at, that Carlson is their guy that they want to win it. And this was the thing that like we were expecting a little bit more of a mix there. And I know that there were some concerns on kickoffs with him that like, you know, he's going to kick it out of the stadium is what Mike Prefer said. <laughs> I think he's, he, we know he's got a powerful leg during practice. He was hitting them pretty much at what would be about 60 yards. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the biggest indictment to me, is the extra points. And that's something that, you know, Kai Forbath, that was his Achilles heel last year. And I think that that's pretty telling of where this kicking competition is, that Daniel Carlson got the work there. You had three shots to run him out there and didn't use him for any of them. And all they did was use Kai Forbath for the opening kickoff. And that was about it. He may have kicked off another time or two, but if that's all he's being used for is the kickoffs and they're letting... Uh, the rookie Daniel Carlson, who we have criticized them taking him in the fifth round because it's just not a logical draft pick, but he does have a monster leg as far as what he might be able to do in kicking from 50 plus. Forbath can do it. Yeah, we saw but, it in the divisional game. Right. Let's not forget that. I mean, I just think it's the consistency on extra points that re- mm-hmm. it, that really dug made you know this team dig its heels in and want to draft up trade up excuse me to to get Carlson in the fifth round let us talk about the defensive line a little bit so Everson Griffin was in for uh one first, one drive yeah first yeah. series uh and then Denver, it was a three and out right Lin, yeah Linval Joseph right and Linval Joseph did not play 
Daniel Hunter, same thing. So then when those guys came out, we've been talking about the potential for a defensive line rotation. And at this moment, what you can figure is that Steven Weatherly and Tashawn Bauer are about neck and neck as far as that, and both probably have roster spots right now. And Jaleel Johnson might be the new Shamar Stefan, the guy yeah. who is the backup nose tackle and can play three technique if he is needed. And what I noticed from that, so he starts playing nose for that first series with like the starters in there. And then they're moving him around on the interior. I think that's a good thing as they're trying to figure out, okay, moving him from nose, basically interchanging him. And if I think David Perry was in there, if Fetty Denebo was in there uh, between nose and three technique. It sh- I mean, that's important versatility for a guy like Jaleel, who was like the star of the preseason last year for you know young defensive linemen to show that he can do that now. It seems like they've got it set, at least among the backup five. Um, interesting, we don't see Brian Robeson out there at all. Yeah, did he you, didn't did play you... last year much in preseason either, so my guess is that's just a veteran thing. That's That's probably fair. But if you take a look at what we had tonight, so it's Bauer, Weatherly, mm-hmm. and you have... You know, I think obviously, you know, there's Johnson for for all of the interior guys. Johnson's far and ahead, you know, before, you know, Perry Odenabo and then uh, Jalen Holmes doesn't get in until the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was interesting. You know, they need that depth on the inside, too. I think that's probably more important than their pass rushers, uh, just at least in terms of like pure bodies. Where does Brian Robeson fit into that? I am guessing at this moment that he is going to be one of the first guys that comes out when they rotate that, that that's he's still going to have that spot. So last year he was mixing in quite a bit. I don't think he's playing that many snaps. I think he was over 50%. Mm-hmm. That's that's 56 too much. or something like yeah, that. That's too year. much. He's not going to play that many this year, but let's say he plays 30% and he's still in on pass rushing situations. One thing they like to do with him is line him up over the guard. Cause it's a mismatch and he's a little bit on the lighter side for, you know, an edge rusher, so you can you could still move him around. I I think it was our one of those bold things that we sort of kicked around. Could he call it quits halfway through? Mm-hmm. But I think he's looked decent when he's been out there practicing, and probably just had a veteran night off. That, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, big picture wise, yeah, can. Is it still too early to project, you know, who, how many they're going to keep of defensive linemen? No, that, yeah, no, that's an interesting question. So we got B-Rob, Bauer, Weatherly. It's three. This is for the backups, obviously. Jaleel Johnson. Jaleel Johnson. Now here's where so we're going to say they're going to keep nine and you still need another interior right. presence. Perry is the guy they signed in free agency. Yes. He has experience before playing for the Colts. But they drafted Holmes in the fourth round. Yeah, that to me is jarring that we didn't see. We saw, I mean, you know, has looked good in the preseason, and I know that you know he's been kind of. They've listed him as a DL on the on the depth chart or on the roster. And did did you see him take some? You know, I mean, tonight with the interior pass rush, I think I saw him mostly at three technique. Yeah, maybe only mixed, inside. Yeah, yep. only I didn't inside. see him go from the edge. Um, you know. He's looked good, but I'm just kind of wondering too. Like, is does that mean Jalen Holmes isn't there yet? Like, because he, this was a practice squad guy a year ago who was, you know, highly rated recruit. You know, did well at Northwestern, and then kind of was, you know, went to the practice squad and forgot about him until like he became part of this again in training camp. So I'm I'm curious for that interior spot behind Sheldon Richardson, what that's going to be. He might end up on the practice squad again, Adenabo, because I just don't see them cutting Jalen Holmes at, unless he's really bad. Um, Aday Aruna looked like he's never played football before, so yeah. that's 
going to be a guy that also they want to end up on the practice squad. He's just raw. That's the problem. I mean, and then the scheme thing, too, because, you know, he doesn't look like a 4-3 defensive end. Right, right. Not and, right now. And, you know, it's always funny. They draft somebody like him as a long shot, and he's very athletic. And it's, oh, well, you know, it's kind of the same thought process as Daniil Hunter, but he's not anywhere in the ballpark um, of Daniil Hunter or, or even what Hunter looked like early on. Uh, so he's got a ton of ways to go, and he might be a guy who they just cut. Like, they straight up say, okay, sorry, this just is not going to work because there's only so many of these project defensive linemen that you can have. And that's where Holmes gets really interesting because if they feel like, sorry, there are better guys that we have, does he end up, like, on the practice squad? Because he's a fourth-rounder, does someone pick him up? He's got a long way to go because I, I didn't see a whole lot from him yeah, tonight. Yeah, he only I, – I don't even remember when it was, but he apparently got his hand up and had a pass defended. I don't know when, but – Yeah, probably probably late where we were just like, get this game over with. And there was a challenge with 17 seconds left. I didn't think you could do that in the preseason. It should be illegal. But... It should be arrested. For for ch- if something is challenged by referees with 17 seconds left in a preseason game, the police should show up and take you away for for robbing every one of their time. <laughs> um, Holton Hill had a tough night, didn't you think? Yeah, I thought taking a look at some of like, the rookie corners. Um, I'll I'll say this because I like didn't phrase it correctly on Twitter earlier. Like I thought we would see more from Mike Hughes. As a returner, as a cornerback, I thought he was fine. He didn't get his head around. I mean, that should have been a touchdown. And that's just that's just going to come with time. It's something that's muscle memory and just learning to you know where you need to be because he was way ahead of the receiver too. Yep, outran him. Um, you know, I think he had a pass defended too. He looked fine, but as a returner, I'm kind of like, okay, that's probably where he's going to play the most this year. Probably would like to see him not field that. Uh, you know, field. <laughs> At the nine. That punt at the nine-yard line. Zimmer called him out on the broadcast. Yeah, on the broadcast. Man, he's not going to probably hear the end of that on the on the plane ride home. I think we will end up seeing more from him. I would like to see him at nickel. I really do want to see what's going to happen with that in the They're preseason. They're a little, right, in this game? Yeah, but I mean, bit. like, how much can you honestly take away from that? Right, like, yeah, I agree. You know, for the first preseason game. Holton Hill, though, the fact that he was still playing there in the fourth quarter um, and, you know, the... The kick, of the the return touchdown that kind of started with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, there was a lot of hesitation there by Isaiah McKenzie. Good for him. Like that was a, that was just good, good instincts on his part of how he was able to get down the sideline after it looks like he was going to stand there and call fair catch. So oh, it was a great, um, it was a great good return. for him. But it was a great return. Yeah, but- I, I I I don't know what to think about Holton Hill other than maybe it's just okay. We put this keep this pre first preseason game for what it is because. He was somebody that, you know, bar none, I thought he was making the roster just given how people talked about him, given mm-hmm. kind of that status he had already worked in with some of the veterans and people really liked his skill set and how versatile he could be. He's big. He's physical. Didn't really get to see him use too much of that tonight. He did have there at the end, I think he had that one pass defended. The play um, that was challenged. That was challenged. Um, but still, I mean... It was a really tough night. I mean, he got Jack targeted. Tojo, I mean, had a tough night too. There was these backups. There's the third team defense essentially, and you know some of these backups. Backups in the secondary had a really rough night with Hill. So anyone who's listened to the podcast a bunch knows my saying of always draft the weed guy or always, I guess, sign him as an undrafted guy. But if you think about like the level of prospect, like Janoris Jenkins was, for example, he's a corner and he was the weed guy. And he went in the second round. 
like the the weed guy who's actually a top prospect goes still early, mm-hmm. but just later than you think. Like Tyron Matthew, weed guy, fourth round. And he was extreme with the weed and ends up as a fourth round. So if you go undrafted entirely, you're probably only a middling prospect to begin with. And he was projected, I think, somewhere from like the fifth to seventh round. Exactly. Like, it wasn't like this was like a super high corner that just had off the field stuff. Right. So we've talked about him enough to make it seem like, oh, yeah, this guy could all of a sudden be a starter. But I think you saw just how far behind he was. What was disturbing to me is that he missed tackles yeah that's not what he's supposed to do he's supposed to be a good tackler for a guy his size at six foot two i mean he should be and he was confused in. in coverage too i mean he just didn't look like he knew what this you know how to react to what the offense was doing right so a really tough night for holton hill he's gonna have to bounce back to make some noise or uh it's gonna be marcus sherrill's making the team again wouldn't be surprised well, at all that's my right? thing with like my with the way that mike hughes was as a returner tonight does that almost completely shift the pendulum that way it does i mean if mike hughes looks like an inexperienced guy returning kicks and punts then you know mike zimmer has a guy he trusts in marcus sherrills and he's going to want him to make the team um kyle sloter good in the boots good in the boots terrific in the boots no is it that now he can't yeah, be terrific no, he was terrific. no cousins is the only one who's terrific in the boots says right. mike zimmer yeah, it's a good otherwise point. kyle sloter would be a starting quarterback um before i get to kyle sloter and chad Beebe, who both had a really good night uh want to talk third number of receivers yeah let's let's do that um it was interesting to see how long laquan treadwell played didn't you think and the fact that his entire time out there was spent blocking, except for one target that he turned into a three-yard reception. Something's up there. I uh, I don't know what, but for a guy who's been so highly touted that he's you know a vital part, not an afterthought of this offense, that John DeFilippo loves him as a red zone threat, he was in there later, much, much later. I mean, this guy's been running with the ones exclusively in training camp. Um I don't know what's there. I, I'm, you know, I'm not speculating, but it just seemed like there was something. It almost like felt like it was like picking back up in 2017, where he was just down the field blocking. I mean, everyone else is out of the game after one drive, and Treadwell is in for the whole first half. It makes you go, okay, what is going on here? Because they, you're right. They they have talked him up and talked him up, but that's very typical camp, right? It's just like classic. A guy with talent goes out there and performs in camp, but then what they really think is, okay, well, let's see you do it in a game. They get into a game, and he's not very effective again. And now I'm sort of feeling like a little bit uneasy about the depth of this wide receiving group. I mean, Kendall Wright has not been impressive. He made one, one, catch. one catch. And then you have Caleb Jones, who I think has been good in camp. He may have made one catch tonight, too. They, they spread the ball around yeah. a lot, but he got playing time pretty early. Caleb Jones did. So I think we sort of have the layout of where this stands with the wide receivers at this moment. Jeff Baddett coming in later on, Chad Beebe coming in later on and doing really well. But as far as what's behind Thielen and Diggs, Still. all uncertainty. And, and to your point, I mean, I'm looking at it now, they, they pat. 16 different players caught a pass tonight. Um, or at least, sorry, we're at least targeted Pre-season, tonight. Preseason, man. Yes. And I know that you rolled your eyes at me earlier when I said, it's a pretty good game called by John Filippo. Hey, I mean, small sample size. I like the fact, and this is just kind of 
as a receiver notion. I really liked him lining up. Uh, I believe it was Rock Thomas, and I just remember Treadwell was on the other side. He lined him up as on the far side as a receiver. That's something that I think we're going to come to expect a lot just with what he wants to do in this offense, spreading guys around. Um, but, you know, Stacy Coley looked like the number three receiver tonight. Yeah, that's he did, it. Right? Like, I, mean, I agree. And, you know, for a guy who was coming off the groin injury, it kind of, you know, slipped there into the second team simply because of those types of circumstances. He looked explosive. He looked good. Um, and for somebody, I mean, I, there's no doubt in my mind he makes the roster. I've always been high on a guy like Stacey Coley, but does that job become a four or five or is it the number three? Making your case like this, I mean, Treadwell really should have had a big game tonight. And obviously, we, we just should note, Brandon Zilser did not play because of some sort of injury that happened last week, uh, which is supposed to be and, considered And neither minor. did Tavares King, which, yeah. which makes you even more go, oh boy, what do you do here? Because King has a lot of experience, or at least a lot compared to, to the, other the, two? the rookies, but he's been hurt this kind of whole camp almost, aside from the first couple days. So for him, that's not really helping as far as making the roster and being that fourth or fifth guy. Yeah, it might be Coley, or they might say, this could be very much like last year, where they say, okay, Treadwell's going to block a lot. When we need somebody to mix in on a passing down, it's going to be Stacy Coley, like a third down and seven or something like that. And we're going to play a lot of two tight ends because David Morgan's very good. Yeah, but it's not it's not the tight end set that they want. You don't have a, a you don't have that interchangeable hybrid piece. So I don't really know if they they can do what they did last year. But I don't know if that really it's not going to be Zach Ertz and Trey Burton out there. It's just right. not. Um, I think it just increases what Kyle Rudolph is going to be asked to do in this offense, and it's going to increase all of his statistics from last year because he's going to become such a critical point for John DeFilippo because he really is the only tight end that can do what he's asked to do. Yep, we saw Tyler Conklin not bring a ball in. No. Uh, Blake Bell, I just haven't... <laughs> I- I have not been impressed at all by anything Blake Bell has done since he's been here. Me so. neither. And I mean, that's that's one I don't think is too far too far fetched to say. I don't think he'll be on the roster than a fifty three man. I mean, Conklin's going to have to play better than he did tonight in order to beat Blake Bell. If he doesn't, I mean, we could be looking at like the bottom draft picks, almost none of them even making the roster. It, depending on what they end up doing with Holmes. Yeah, But if there's no spot for Jalen Holmes and they end up cutting him and trying to sneak him back in the practice squad, you could see most of the people, except for maybe Daniel Carlson, the kicker, uh, being let go, who are the later round draft picks. And that wouldn't be a, a particularly good look. But the roster is so stacked that there are so few positions that you've got to actually perform like Tyler Conklin did not tonight. You've got to actually perform in order to win those spots. Um, what was it that I said I was going to get? Oh, Chad Beebe. Yeah. So that makes him kind of interesting yeah, because, kinda. okay, so his route on the touchdown was excellent. He was so far. Look how open he got. What I noticed that corner, was. That corner was at least a good few feet behind him on that. He really sold that he was breaking over the middle with his right shoulder. He kind of dipped it in and it was kind of into like to almost make contact with the corner and then broke the other way. And that was where the separation came. And he had a couple other good catches too. Mm-hmm. He jumped off sides once. I'm not saying that he necessarily has a shot, but as far as somebody who stepped up and performed against Denver, he was one of the only wide receivers who really did. Yeah, and it's a good it's a good time to do it now. Special teams are going to have to come into play for him, for Jeff Baddett, those type of guys, Jake Winicky, who, you know, I don't really know what we... I mean, I saw him on special teams tonight, but that's something... 
I'm really curious about that. That's something that Mike Zimmer's preached. Mike Prefer talked about it last week. It didn't manifest itself last year at all. Michael Floyd didn't play special teams. Jarius Wright didn't play special teams. Um, you know, Treadwell did, but that's because he's a first round pick and they have nowhere else to, to stash him at that point. I mean, Stacey and he's kind of big and he's, can tackle. Yeah, he can, you know, get get in trouble for, you know, a, a illegal blindside Crack, block. block right, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um <laughs> That I just am really curious to see if that it actually is just a talking point or if that's something they're going to adhere to. Because a guy like Chad Beebe, I don't think he makes the roster. But hey, if he continues to doing this in the preseason and he's doing well on special teams, I don't see how you can't even give him a look. I really think that that special teams thing is real because what um, what Mike Zimmer said is I'm not going to have guys who are standing around. You know that, that that are going to be dressed on game day and just be watching the game for ninety percent of it. And you know, Stacy Coley, he wasn't active very often last year, and that was one of the reasons that a fourth or fifth, sixth wide receiver on this team aren't used much because of who you have as your number one and two. Anything else from you from this game that we have not gone over so far? Um, I think uh, you know, everything. That's still, the offensive line is. I, I'm very unsettled by that. Um, outside of that, I mean, everything was very much par for the course of what we expected. Uh, I'd say Tashawn Bauer really stood out to me tonight. And as somebody who, you know, looked, had really good flashes last year in the preseason, I think he's going to be a critical part of this defensive line rotation. He had the critical pass, the third, I say critical, it's a freaking preseason. <laughs> he had the third down uh, pass breakup and he had the it's sack. critical to him. It is, and I mean that's a that's a good. The fact that he's making those plays right now is important. Uh, just wanted to add one more thing before we wrap up. Okay. Friday night to see Teddy Bridgewater back on the field and going. I believe he's eight for nine. Um, Eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Man, that was awesome. It's emotional. I think for a lot, I'm sure there were a lot of Vikings personnel, coaches, players, whatever. I know there were players tweeting about it, but for for a guy who this is 711 days or something yesterday is when the accident happened at the end of training camp to see him perform like that, to see his name pop up so much as a candidate for a trade that he could turn the quarterback market into a seller's market. Um, he could be the first domino to fall and good for him if that happens, because you know, it couldn't happen to a better guy and, I'm re- I'm still ready to see. I'm not ready for the story to like just end up as he's a backup on some roster somewhere. Right. I want to see if he can compete for a starting job. And he looked he looked good, excellent. He really did. Yeah, I, it wasn't just that he was able to run on one play, and he was he was really driving the ball though. I mean, this was the criticism from some Vikings fans, and I never really bought into it, considering his age, and also considering that you know Drew Brees and Philip Rivers don't throw the ball 100 miles an hour, but are accurate. Uh, but they could still drive the ball down the field, and Bridgewater on a couple of throws did that. He got something behind some of those throws that it was impressive, and he made a tight window throw or two, and he showed patience in the pocket, and he didn't look anxious in the pocket. That was the biggest thing, that it was like he was comfortable, and he was Teddy again in the pocket, where you would have expected him to be a little nervous. I mean, it's been um, but he wasn't. almost two years. Yeah. like And that, I guess, remember we go back to what the Vikings said that – they looked at the list of people, and he was the first of people of athletes who had this injury. He's the first one to come back as quickly as he did. Maybe now is how we're starting to see that you know 
he is ready now that he wasn't ready back in yes. or at least any form of himself back in the Cincinnati game where he got in and threw two passes. Um, it's it's I'm really eager to see what the second and third week of the preseason bring for him. And for Teddy, as, as far as uh, how the Vikings fan base feels about him and how his teammates feel about him and his head coach, Mike Zimmer, who said he never wanted another quarterback other than Teddy Bridgewater. I did a piece on him in May of last year when nobody knew where this was going to go and talked to a bunch of different people kind of from his past, his old quarterback coach at Louisville, uh, a kid that he grew up with, Eli Rogers, who plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And everyone that I asked, one of the questions is, you know, do you think he's going to come back? How do you think this is going to play out? And everyone said, no question, he's going to be back. And at the, you know, at the time, for me, it's like, well, you know, odds are against him here. And he's proved everybody right that he is truly a special human being and it defies odds, but doesn't surprise me really because of who Teddy is. So to see him do that was really incredible. And now, like you said, I mean, this kind of changes things. There's so much quarterback stability out there. It's almost weird. Like usually there's like four teams that you're not sure what's going on with quarterback and now in the league this year, it seems like everybody's got that resolve. So I don't know where they're going to trade Teddy. He might end up as their day one starter, or he might end up as the backup to Sam Darnold. What about Miami? Do they have an answer yet? Uh, Wasn't I mean, that one that we talked Tannehill. About? Yeah, but yeah. I mean, he's he's coming off the injury too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, if I was Jacksonville, I'd be making that call. To get him as a backup to Bortles? Yeah, but I mean... George, just to bring him along for the joint practice to be like... Right. <laughs> Remember these guys, Ted? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Bortles is a bad quarterback. And yeah. so if you have Super Bowl aspirations, why wouldn't you give him any sort of competition? That's that's how I see it. But at this point now, like asking somebody to come in and be competition for your starter is pretty tough. So that will be a very interesting situation to watch. But it was it was something to see yeah. him get back there and actually throw passes. So uh Anyway. I mean, I'm eager for the rest of the preseason for moments like that to see what, what he does. And even, you know, when we start seeing Bradford, too. I mean... Yeah, he threw one pass tonight, Yeah, I it's... Third preseason game, I think, is for... for With what Arizona's situation is right now is where that's going to manifest itself the most. Yep. But I, as we talked about all off season, people are going to be keeping track on the former quarterbacks. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of different things, and why this team's where it's at now because it's tied to the three former quarterbacks that they decided to part ways with. Yeah, and speaking of which, Case Keenum, uh, a very unmemorable yeah. couple of throws, and that was it for him. So not a whole lot to talk about, no revenge game, and I don't know. I mean, there was never one anyway. So no, I mean, just, this, it's the preseason. Right. There Slo- wouldn't have been Sloater one anyways. Got his revenge. Sloater did get his revenge on Denver and basically can blow kisses to John Elway all night, being like, thank you for shouting out my weakness. <laughs> He's got, he's got to be better than Chad Kelly, though. He's got to be better than Paxton Lynch. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right. They had one first down in the first half. Yeah. That is, oh. That's one that is going to go down as one of the worst first-round draft picks ever. He was first-round, right? I think so. Okay. Yeah, so, he went to Memphis. All right. That, yeah, he looks like he can't play at all, and that that's a bad one. So you have the two first-round quarterbacks taken by John Elway being Tim Tebow and Paxton Lynch. So Paxton should start working on his baseball swing now. <laughs> and that is how I will end it with that bomb one-liner. So, okay. There were well, some good one-liners on the broadcast tonight, too. Oh, yes. It's, it's oh, like yeah. everybody's in peak preseason Jonathan form. Wynn with the win. 
Oh, that was like fourth quarter. I was like, PA, like, you know, <laughs> take a breath. Yeah. Time time to move on to uh, face Jacksonville. So anyway, yeah. fun to have football back and also a reminder of like, okay, it's not real football at all. Uh, so we will be back with you at least once throughout this week. Uh, joint practices coming up and we will see what we get as far as resolutions on the offensive line and talk to you again soon on the Purple Podcast. At the Home Depot, we have plenty of Christmas trees to make your holidays even more magical. Hundreds of full, easy-to-assemble artificial trees that look so real, you may be convinced they actually are. And for those who love that fresh pine smell, we have a parking lot full of fresh-cut trees to call your own. We'll even help you load your tree in the car so you can bring home the holidays. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.